Welcome to the Jewish Prayer Podcast on jewishcoffeehouse.com. I'm Scott Kahn, and today's shiur is sponsored anonymously in honor of the rabbim and teachers of Yeshiva Yesode HaTorah. If you would like to dedicate a Torah podcast, please write to aliza at jewishcoffeehouse.com. Today we're going to be learning about Hilchot Tkiat Shofar, the laws of blowing the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. And in order to do so, as a matter of background, first we have to find out how many blasts of the shofar are required by Torah law. In order to do that, we're going to look at the Arach HaShulchan, Simon Taf Kuf Tzadi, Si'if Aleph, where he writes, Shalosh Truot Nemru Torah Al Chodesh Hashvi'i. The word Truah is written three times in the Torah regarding the month of Tishrei. Shtayim Baruch Hashanah, twice it says the word Truah regarding Rosh Hashanah, Vashlishi Bayovel. And the third time it says the word Truah is by the Jubilee year, where one blows Shofar on Yom Kippur of the 50th year, the Yovel year. Over there it says, You should proclaim with the shofar, shofar, on the seventh month, on the tenth day of that month, you should proclaim with the shofar. And we learn several things from this pasuk. First of all, the Aruch HaShulchan points out, the words are extra, the superfluous, because it could have written, the tenth day of the seventh month. Instead it says, the seventh month, on the 10th day of that month, because the word is extra, we learn from that that everything that's true for the blast of Rosh Hashanah is true for Yovel and vice versa. We also have several other limudim, ways of learning these psukim out, such that we learn that we add all of these things together. So therefore, the fact that it says truah three times, twice by Rosh Hashanah and once by Yovel, means that we have to have three truahs on Rosh Hashanah, one for each time it's mentioned. Moreover, as I mentioned before, the Pasuk says, Ve'avarta shofar, you should proclaim with the shofar. And then after the word truai, it also says, Ta'aviru shofar, you must proclaim with the shofar. The fact that it says proclaim with the shofar before and after the word truah tells us that one must have a sound before the truah and a sound afterwards. This is because the word ta'aviru or ve'avarta implies a long, straight sound. Accordingly, one must have a tkiyah sound, a truah sound, and a tkiyah sound, in that order. And because one must have three truot, three sounds of the truah, one must have nine altogether. We see, therefore, that one must have a truah three times, along with a tkiyah before it and a tkiyah afterwards, making nine total sounds to be yotze the Torah law of blowing the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. The question is, however, even though we know what a tkiyah is generally, it's a straight sound, what is this middle sound, the truah sound, that we have in the middle, following and preceding the two tkiyot? The Mishnah Gemara Masechah Rosh Hashanah Daf Lamed Gimel Amud Bet deals with this. Ultimately, there are three opinions. One opinion is that a truah sound is short sounds, da 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 of that sort. Another one is that they're longer sounds, do do do, some sort of medium-sized sound. And the third opinion is that it's both, the longer medium-sized sounds followed by the short sounds, the do, 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 da, 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 da. There are three different opinions, therefore, of what a truah is, and nowadays we do them all because of the safek. We don't know what they are, and the Rambam says in order to make sure that we don't do the wrong one, we do all of them, making a total of 30 sounds, what we call tkiyah, shvarim, truah, tkiyah, three times, what we call tkiyah, shvarim, tkiyah, three times, and what we call tkiyah, truah, tkiyah, three times. Nevertheless, the rush, in the name of Rav Haigon, says, it's not really a safek, it's not really that we have a doubt, like the Rambam says. 
The truth is, he says, any one of these is okay. If you do tekiah, trua, tekiah three times, that's fine. Or tekiah, shvarim, tekiah three times. Or tekiah, shvarim, trua, tekiah three times. Any of them are okay. It's not a doubt so much as three ways that can be valid. The reason we do all of them, however, is because we don't want to have multiple minhagim throughout Am Yisrael. We want to make sure that everywhere someone goes, people are doing the same thing. That's why we do all 30. Now, how long should this middle sound of the truah be? According to Rashi, the truah, this short da-da-da sound, should have three short sounds. Truah for Rashi is da-da-da, like that. Thus, a shvarim, which is longer, do, 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 is approximately three times as long as a truah. A shvarim truah would go do, 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 do. According to Tosfot, a truah is not three short sounds, but nine short sounds, making it the same length as the three shvarim. How long should the tekiah be before and after the truah sound in the middle or the shvarim or the shvarim truah? Most poskim say that each tekiah is the length of whatever the middle sound is. If it's a shvarim truah, the tekiah must be longer. If it's a shvarim, then tekiah must be shorter and so forth. According to the Ravid, a tekiah is always the sound of nine short sounds, do-do-do. Nine of those is always a tekiah, regardless of what's in the middle. It's not dependent on the length of what comes in the middle. A third opinion is the Rambam. The Rambam says every tekiah is half the length of a trua, which means, therefore, if a trua is nine short sounds, according to the Rambam, a tekiah would be the length of four and a half of those. More or less nowadays, we're machmir to follow all of these opinions. This is because when the Ravid says a tekiah is always the sound of nine short sounds, or the Rambam says it's the half the size of a trua, what they mean is that these are minimum shiurim, not maximum amounts. We're permitted to increase the length and number of any of them. For example, Rav Salvechik famously did five shvarim in his shul. And most people who blow shofar do more than nine short sounds for their trua. And of course, we all know about tekiah gedola, which is longer than a regular tekiah. So nowadays, we do all of them. We make sure that the tekiah before the middle sound is at least as long as the middle sound, and the tekiah afterwards is also at least as long as the middle sound, and it can be longer as well. We have minimally nine truot, short sounds, and minimally three shvarim, the medium-sized sounds. The mitzvah begins in the morning because the pasuk reads, Yom Trua Yelachem, a day of shofar blowing. It could have simply read, Trua Yelachem, shofar blowing. Therefore, we learn it must be in the daytime. When does the morning begin? Like all daytime mitzvot, this means it begins the kachila, the best way, after sunrise. But bidiyavad, if it's already been done, one is still yotze from Alota Shachar, from the crack of dawn, which is about 72 minutes before sunrise. This continues until Shkiah. The mitzvah is valid all day long. The bracha on shofar blowing is lishmoa kol shofar, to hear the sound of the shofar, and not lishmoa bikol shofar. If the bracha were lishmoa bikol shofar, it would mean to obey. The phrase lishmoa bim means to obey somebody. We're not obeying the shofar, we're listening. Therefore, the bracha is lishmoa kol shofar, to hear the sound of the shofar. The minhag is for the Baal Tokea, the one blowing the shofar, to stand at the bimah where we read the Torah, because we blow right after Kriyata Torah. He should use the right side of his mouth, if at all possible, because the right side of the mouth represents mercy, while the left side represents judgment. Nevertheless, Lavush, who is a Kabbalist, points out that the left side is better for various Kabbalistic reasons. 
The Baal Tokea, the one blowing the shofar, says the brachot on behalf of the congregation. And even if he cannot successfully blow a single blast of the shofar, there is no need for a new bracha when the next blower begins. The Baal Tokea should stand, as it says, Yom Trua Yelachem, which we connect via Gzeira Shava, two similar words, to the phrase Usfartem Lachem, by Counting the Omer, it says, Usfartem Lachem, you should count for yourselves. And by Rosh Hashanah, it says, Yom Trua Yelachem, a day of shofar blowing is for you. They both contain the word Lachem. By Svirata Omer, the Torah says, Charmesh Bakama. And we use by explication this word Kama to mean Bakoma, standing up. Therefore, by Svirata Omer, one should stand up. And by Gizei Rashava, we say that applies to blowing the shofar as well. According to the Magen Avraham, a person should not lean on anything, such that, should the object on which he's leaning be removed, he would fall. The Baltokeo, we just said, is supposed to stand. Standing is defined as not falling if the thing you're leaning on moves. So if your hand is resting on a table, but if that table would be moved, you would still be standing, that's okay. The problem arises if you're leaning on it to such a degree that you would stumble over if it would be moved. Nevertheless, Despite the fact that we learned this from a Gzeira Shava, it's still an Asmachta, a way of remembering things, not a full Do'oraita, and therefore, even if the Baltokea sits, he shouldn't, but if he does, he and the listeners have still fulfilled their obligation. Now, while all of this is true for the Baltokea, the one belonging to the Shofar, that he really should be standing, must the listeners stand as well? The halacha is the following. The tzibur, the congregation, can sit l'kachila, 100%, for the first set of 30 that we say after the haftarah. Because of kavod tzibur, the honor of the congregation, and because we know they're going to be standing for the next set, which are said during Musaf. So l'kachila, they are allowed to sit for the first 30. For the second set, which are said after the three middle brachot of the Shemona Esrei during Chazarat Hashat, they must stand l'kachila. They must stand for these blasts. Now, Despite the fact that Litchachila they are allowed to sit for the first 30, the Minhag nowadays is to stand for all the Tkiyot. Yet the first set, even though we stand nowadays, are still called Tkiyot Demushav, the sitting blasts, because it is Litchachila permissible to sit, despite the fact that the Minhag, the custom is to stand. Moreover, if a person is not going to hear any other blasts other than the first 30, let's say, for example, he's leaving shul after the first 30, in that situation, he must stand the karchila for the first 30 as well. There's a minhag to have something called a makri. That's somebody who calls out the various blasts that the baltokeh is going to do. It's usually either the chazan from shacharit or the rav of the shul. Why do we have a makri? The Ramah says it's very simple. It's to make sure that the Baltokea doesn't make a mistake. Rav Salvechik, however, says it's more than that. He says the Makri's job is to be a matir, somebody who gives permission, in a sense, to the Baltokea to start blowing. There's actually a practical difference, a nafkamina, between these two approaches. The question is whether or not the Makri should call out the first kia, the first blast. According to the Ramah, where it's only to make sure he doesn't make a mistake, he is not going to make a mistake on the first blast, and it might be better not to call it out, because if he calls it out, it could technically be a potential hefsake, an interruption between the bracha and the shofar blowing. According to Rav Salvechik, however, because it's a matir, it's necessary to allow, on behalf of the congregation, the Baal Tokeh to start blowing, he must call out the first kiyah as well. It says in the Shulchan Arach, in Simen Taf Kuf, all sounds of the shofar are valid in kasher. Does that mean that no matter what the Baal Tokea blows, it's okay? 
according to the Aruch HaShulchan, he says, it still must be out loud rather than a whispery, empty sound. It must be at least a call. The line is, kol hakolot kisharim b'shofar. All sounds are valid by a shofar. Blowing and having no sound come out is not called a sound. Moreover, Rav Soloveitchik said, it must be at least a shofar sound. Accordingly, even though we say that all sounds are valid by the shofar, it must be at least like a shofar. It has to sound like a shofar. There's a concept called hatokea letochabor, somebody who blows a shofar into a pit. What's the law if somebody blows a shofar into the pit where there's an echo? For people inside the pit, we say it's fine. They will hear the sound of the shofar. If they're standing outside the pit, however, it depends whether they hear the echo or whether they hear the shofar itself. And some people are machmir, they're stringent, always being worried that they'll hear the echo if they're standing outside the pit, and therefore, if they're standing outside a pit during the shofar blowing, they will listen to it again. There's actually a practical ramification for nowadays. If you're in a basement minion, where some people are sitting upstairs, because this is like a pit, and some people upstairs are outside the pit, for tzkiat shofar, they should go downstairs in case they hear the echo rather than the shofar itself. Half of a tekiah is not valid. The entire blast must be heard and must be heard b'chiyuv. This means, for example, if somebody starts blowing before alot shachar, before the crack of dawn, and then continues the tekiah until after the crack of dawn, even if the amount that lasted from the crack of dawn onward were enough, that the person would be yotze, it's long enough to be a tekiah, it's nevertheless not good. The entire tekiah must be during the valid time. In Simon Tavkuf Pechet, the Shulchan Aruch says, Tesha Tekiot, Betesha Sha'ot, Yatsa. If one hears nine blasts, Tekiah, Truah, Tekiah, three times, over the course of nine hours, meaning once an hour, even if it's from nine different shofar blowers, he is still Yotzei. He has fulfilled his obligation. This is true even if he speaks in between the various sounds. So if somebody hears Tekiah at seven in the morning, a truah at 8 in the morning, and a tekiah at 9 in the morning, and so forth, that is technically valid. However, if in the interim between the tekiah and the truah, or the truah and the tekiah, and so forth, he hears the wrong sound, it breaks the entire set of three. The other six can still be valid, but that set of three, the tekiah, middle sound tekiah, is invalid if that middle sound is broken up with something else. Thus, for example, if in the middle of tekiah, shvarim, he hears a truah, he must begin the entire set again. Thus, any set of three which is interrupted by the wrong sound, or by doing the correct sound twice, which means the second one is the wrong sound, you must then start the entire set of three over again. This leads to an interesting stridency. We learn that if the sound of the shofar does not come out properly, it's not a hefsake. In other words, if someone's trying to blow, let's say, a truah, and nothing really comes out, it's not called a hefseg. He can simply do that proper sound again without the need for an entirely new set. If he does tkiah and then messes up the next sound that it doesn't come out at all, he doesn't have to start a new tkiah. He can simply do that middle sound again. So, if the makri, calling out the sounds, is sure that the middle sound was not good again, there's no need to start with a new tkiah. He can simply repeat that sound which he failed to do the first time. Let's say, however, the makri is not sure if the middle sound were good. Let's say, for example, he does a tekiah and then a questionable truah. In that situation, the makri may want him to do the truah again. But the problem is this. If he already did a proper truah, if that truah, which is a questionable one, were okay, 
And then he just does a second truah, and then a tekiah. He has not done tekiah, truah, tekiah. He has done tekiah, truah, truah, tekiah. And we said any wrong sound or repeated sound in the middle invalidates the whole set, and the entire group is lost. Thus, very often, if the mockery is not sure, he should have the tokea do not just the questionable sound in the middle, but instead start over with a new tekiah. So if we're tekiah, definitely not okay trua. In that case, he can just do another trua because that definitely not okay trua does not interrupt the set. If, however, it's tekiah, questionable sound, then he must do another tekiah before doing the next sound. If two people blow at the same time, Generally, we should apply the principle of tre kali lo mishtame. Two sounds cannot simultaneously be heard. However, we have another rule, which is that in instances where the mitzvah is chaviva love, beloved, and people will pay special attention, we say you can hear it. Accordingly, even if two people blow the shofar simultaneously, because this mitzvah is chaviva love, beloved, you are yotze. What if nine people blow all nine kolot simultaneously? meaning one baltokea is blowing tekiah, a second is blowing a trua, a third is blowing a tekiah, a fourth is blowing a tekiah, and so forth. You can hear all nine sounds in one moment. We just said you can hear multiple sounds simultaneously. Nevertheless, you have not fulfilled your obligation because this is not okay. You need to have a tekiah before the trua and a tekiah after the trua. It's not okay to have tekiah, trua, and tekiah simultaneously. However, the Ritva suggests in the name of Rav Haigon, that if three people blow tekiah, truah, tekiah simultaneously, in other words, not nine at one time, but rather three people blow at once tekiah, three people blow at once truah, and then three people blow at once tekiah, in that case, you do have a tekiah before the truah and a tekiah after the truah, and accordingly, you've heard all three, three times, because you can hear them, because it's chavivalav, it's a beloved mitzvah. So one should be yotze. You had a tekiah before and after the truah, and you can hear multiple sounds. Despite the fact that the Ritva says this is technically the halacha, he concludes that it's better to be stringent and do two more sets, despite the fact you can hear multiple sounds. Because when we say that when two people are blowing simultaneously, if you are paying attention, you can hear both, it doesn't necessarily mean you could actually hear both. It means you can hear one of them, one that you're concentrating on. So we're not sure that you heard all three sets. It could be, in this case, that you heard only one set and you should blow it again two more times. Is a deaf person chayav in tekiat shofar? Many people say no, but according to the Aruch HaShulchan, he is. He says that just as in Kriyat Shema, there's a requirement to hear the words, but that's only if it's possible. And no one suggests that a deaf person who can't hear himself saying the words of Kriyat Shema is patur exempt from Kriyat Shema. He must say it despite the fact that he doesn't hear it. The same thing is true, says the Aruch HaShulchan with Shofar. His responsibility is to hear it if possible, and if he cannot, he is not exempt. How does he fulfill the Chiyuv? By blowing it himself. The Baal Tokea must have Kavanah, intention, to make everyone who's listening exempt, and not specifically the people in front of him. The listeners, too, must have Kavanah to be exempt, to be Yotze, to fulfill the mitzvah. Accordingly, if someone is not in the same room, and the Baltokea has no idea this person is listening, since the Baltokea's kavanah is for anybody who's listening, even though the Baltokea has no idea this person's even there, as long as that person has kavanah to be Yotze the Mitzvah, he too has fulfilled his obligation. Regarding kavanah, the Baltokea should ideally have kavanah for the correct Seder. Thus, it's best if he knows that the Tekiah is applying to a certain Truah. In other words, 
he should know if it's tkiya, shvarim trua, tkiya, or shvarim or trua. Lekadchila, not bediyeva, but lekadchila, he should know what the middle sound will be. Bediyavad, if he does not, it's not a problem. In the same vein, according to the perspective that we only do 30 kolot because of a question, a safek, unlike the rush who says we do them to make sure that everybody has the same custom, there's an interesting question. Why do I need a new tkiyah at the beginning of a new set? In other words, I do tkiyah, shavrim, truah, tkiyah three times. That last tkiyah should count both for the previous set or for the next set, meaning that tkiyah can count towards the next set of tkiya shvarim trua. So I could do tkiya shvarim trua tkiya, tkiya shvarim trua tkiya, tkiya shvarim trua tkiya, shvarim tkiya, tkiya shvarim tkiya, etc. That last one in between the two sets can do double duty. It applies both to the previous set and also to the next set because kavanah is not absolutely necessary for that. So why don't we do that? The fact is that if somebody does this, he is Yotzei Bidyeved. It does work, Mi'ikar Hadin. It actually does work. However, the minhag is not like this. Why not? Because first of all, people won't understand. They'll assume that one does not need a tkiyah before that middle sound. They'll assume that when he goes tkiyah, shvarim, truah, tkiyah, shvarim, tkiyah, that apparently before shvarim, one does not need a new tkiyah. To avoid that misunderstanding, we put a tkiyah there anyway. Second of all, as I said, lekachila, one should have kavanah for the correct seder. And therefore, if somebody does tkiyah, shvarim truah, tkiyah, and then does shvarim, for that middle tkiyah, he had kavanah for the previous set, not for the next set, and therefore his kavanah was lacking. Now, despite the fact that we need to have kavanah, lekarchila, for the correct set, it seems this is specifically for the correct seder. But whether it's the tkiyah following or preceding the middle sound is not a problem. Therefore, according to Rav Shechter, Rav Salavechik, who was the makri in his shul, used to do the following. He would call out tkiyah, Trua, tkia, trua, tkia, trua, tkia. People may not have known what was going on, but this was what was happening. First he called tkia, then he called trua and didn't like the trua. So he had the person start the set again. So he did tkia. Now the Baal Tokea didn't realize that this tkia was for the next set. He thought it was for the previous set. We see from that, therefore, that it doesn't really matter if your kavanah is that the tkiyah is for the next set or for the previous set, as long as he knows that the middle sound is whatever it is, a trua, a shvarim, or a shvarim trua. Now, all of the kolot of the shofar must be benishima achat, a single breath. But what about shvarim trua? It's one thing to say that tkiyah is with one breath, or shvarim or trua is with one breath, but shvarim trua is sort of two blasts and sort of one. So some people say it's a trua like all the other blasts. Therefore, it must be benishima achat with a single breath. But some people say that's not true. It must be bishtei nishimot with two breaths because that's the way people groan and cry. And the svarim trua is supposed to sound like a groan and a cry. First, people have long sobs followed by short cries. And there is a breath in between. So do you do one or two? There are different minhagim. When I used to be the Makri, what I would have Yeshiva do was first, during the first set of 30 tkiot, tkiot Yushav, we would do it benishima achat, a single breath. During the next 30, during Musaf, tkiot demumad, the standing tkiot, we would do it with shtei nishimot, two breaths. Obviously, this only applies to shvarim trua. All the other sounds, tkiah, shvarim, and trua, must be with one breath. Some people have a minhag to do tkiot in the quiet Shemona Esrei, as well as during Chazarat HaShatz. Rav Salvechik followed this minhag, and he davened his quiet Shmona Esrei loud enough so that everybody in the shul would be in the same place and ready for the tkiot. 
However, this might not be recommended in larger shuls where people can make a mistake. Once the brachot have been said for Tekiyat Shofar, there could be no talking except necessary in a matters pertaining to tefillah that are necessary until the final blast after Musaf. Are you allowed to have Kiddush before blowing Shofar? Many Shivot do this, both in order to give people strength to go through Musaf and Tekiyot, and also in order to prevent someone fasting on Rosh Hashanah after midday. There's a problem fasting on Rosh Hashanah, therefore, some people say you should have a Kiddush before shofar blowing so that people don't fast past Chatzot. However, there are reasons to question the propriety of making Kiddush before shofar blowing. Rav Shlomo Zalman Arbach, for example, said that one really shouldn't do it unless he has Tzorach Kol Kach, a real need to do it. He should not be lenient. And even those who are lenient should only have Achilat Arai, a small amount up to a Kabetza. When he was older himself and needed to eat before the end of tefillah, Rosh Shlomo Zalman used to make Kiddush after the Tzikiyot Mushav, the 31st blast after the Haftarah. After having made Kiddush, he would then go to a different shul, the Davin later, in time for their Tzikiyot Mushav, in time for their 30 blasts after the Haftarah, and then he could hear the brachot again for them, as well as for the additional 30 blasts during Musaf. He only did this on the second day. On the first day, he would not have Kiddush, even though he was older and somewhat weaker. It also says in the book Halich Shlomo that Rav Shlomo Zalman actually taught in practice regarding Kiddush, every person should estimate for himself how much he needs it. And he should not make Kiddush unless it's necessary. Ulam, however, if he knows for sure he needs to eat, he should not be machmir, he's allowed to do so. Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach himself believes one shouldn't even have te'imah ba'alma, even a small taste, before tekiyat shofar. Whether this includes water and the like is not clear. And Rav Nisim Karlitz of B'nai Brak himself leaves that question of having water before tekiyot as an open question. I hope you enjoyed this year on Hilchot Kiat Shofar. I wish all of you Shana Tova and Ketiva V'chatima Tova. You've been listening to the Jewish Prayer Podcast on jewishcoffeehouse.com. If you would like to dedicate a Torah podcast, please write to aliza at jewishcoffeehouse.com.